Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. God loves us. Hallelujah. He so loved the world that what did he do? He gave. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Well, you can be seated this time. We're going to allow our children to be dismissed to Children's Church. Hallelujah. Thank God for our teachers this morning. Blessed and anointed to teach and sow seed into the next generation. Amen. Of conquerors. For Christ. Amen. Well, uh, we've got a lot of things to cover this morning. And as pastor, uh, now he's pastor back then, he was a uh, teacher. Keith Moore used to say at Rama, he, he, he would start the class and he's kind of a disciplinarian type person. He would start the class and he'd say, okay, we've got a lot to cover today. He said, so he said, I believe you're sharp. He said, I believe you're ready to receive. Amen. And he said, uh, I believe you're going to help. Amen. So I believe that's who you are today. You're sharp. You're ready to receive. Your ears are open. Your hearts are ready to receive today. Amen. Uh, we've been uh, teaching on Wednesday nights, and a lot of you have been able to attend. Some of you hadn't, and that's one reason that Pastor wanted me to uh, share some things about what we've been teaching on Wednesdays. We've been teaching a class on addiction and how to help others overcome addiction. So we're going to condense those uh, lessons and some things that the Holy Spirit wants to bring out uh, concerning those things. Uh, if you're joining us this morning on online, I'd like to say welcome. And uh, we've got a lot of resources I'm actually going to share here in just a moment. And uh, you can uh, email us at the church. We can get those uh, resources to you, some things concerning addiction. And before I get into my message, I want to go over those real quick. The book that we've been using, a lot of you have this. If you don't, it's called Helping Others Overcome Addictions. It's by Steve McVeigh and uh, Mike Quarles. Awesome book. It's got eight uh, chapters. Actually, there's more than that because it, it goes into some other details. Uh, this is an awesome devotional book. How many of you have gotten this? I know a couple of you have. There's a few of you bought the giveaway. I've given some people this and I'm using it myself. It's called One Day at a Time. <clears throat> and I know this, we're going to be discussing addiction this morning. You say, well, I'm not addicted to anything. Well, you may not have trouble with heroin. You may not snort cocaine or smoke crack or you may not shoot anything. But we all have situations in, in our life. We may have an attitude. We may have a problem. We may have an eating disorder. We may have whatever it is. You know, the thing of it is that, that our source of overcoming is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And as we yield to that and as we live from who he is in us, then that's where the victorious life comes from. We don't have to struggle. Amen. 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 Y'all here this morning. We don't have to struggle. We can live above those things. Does that mean we ever have problems? Yes, we do. Does that mean that? That uh, we won't ever fall and fail and miss it. Yes. Amen. But we have Christ living in us and we can live through his ability, through his power, through his grace, his anointing. We can live above those things. Amen. So this book right here, One Day at a Time, is an awesome devotional. Uh, it'll, it'll get you kickstarted in the mornings. Uh, we have, do we have one left? I think we got one left at the table. You can pick that up in the back uh, on the table there. And also real quickly, because I don't want to use any more of my time, but for the people that are watching and for ones that haven't been able to attend, we've got some resources also in the back that are just uh, tremendous. And I'm going to explain why I'm taking time to do this. You know, this is a very important subject. Amen. Addiction has affected everyone in this room. It may have affected you personally, or it may have been someone in your family, a spouse, a, a, a loved one, a brother, sister, whoever. But addiction has affected everyone here. And I believe ultimately what the enemy wants to do is he wants to use addiction to keep people from fulfilling their call upon this earth. Yes. Because addiction keeps people in bondage. Yes, man. It keeps them in a place to where they live in a life, but they're not producing anything. They're living a life and they don't know where to turn and how to get out and what to do. And they're just kind of going in circles and it's a cycle that they continue in and continue in. And what happens is this, is they'll live their entire life and they look back one day and think, what did I do? What did I accomplish? Why am I even alive? And that's where people get sometimes in a place of depression where they want to end everything and they want to take their life yes. because they don't feel like they... You know, they don't feel like they're important. They don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know what he's done for them. And that's what the basis of this teaching is about. So there's several uh, resources. One here is called The Key to Victorious Christian Life. It's on the back table. I believe this little book is $2. $2. It's some awesome information there that you can give 
to someone. You know, a lot of people may not want to listen to what you have to say, but if you slip a book into their hand, uh, when the time is right, I remember the story of Matt Gober. A little lady came to his door one day. He was in California, a member of, uh, I can't remember the name of the motorcycle group. Hell's Angels, something like that. Man, you know, he said his beard was down to here and he left all the grease and everything in it. So, you know, he said the little critters had to have somewhere to live. You know, and he said not only that, when it rained, the rain would run off easier if you just never took a bath, you know, just stayed greasy. Well, this little lady walked up to his door one day, opened the door, handed him a track. He punched her in the mouth. She dropped the track on the ground. He picked up the track, looked at it, said something about Jesus. You know, he said, well, you know, we can use this be a good rolling paper. So he walked in the house, threw it down on the table. But he never forgot that little lady, that she was bold enough to come to his door and tell him about Jesus. And he punched her in the mouth. But that stuck with him. And then he went to another place, standing in line to wire some money. Somebody else came up and handed him a track about Jesus. What's, what's all this business? And he was so dirty. When he took that track, it stuck to his finger and he, couldn't, he was trying to throw it down and it wouldn't come off his hand. He was like, what is all this Jesus business? You know, he was trying to get off and it just wouldn't come off. And he was like, man, what, what's, what's going on here? Something's trying to, you know, God's trying to tell me something. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I forgot why I told you that story, but uh, it was good anyway. Amen. So resources. Yes. This one is uh, about uh, Mike Quarles, his testimony of how he got free. He was a pastor, alcoholic, became an alcoholic while he was a pastor, how he got set free. It's all about that here. Uh, you can get that in the back. Uh, Christ is the end of the law. This is another resource that's out there on the table. Very good resource. Uh, and this one. This little green or mint colored one right here is about his wife. It says how a wife found her freedom by facing her husband's addiction. You know, a lot of times people are codependent. They might not actually have the addiction, but they're codependent on someone who is addicted. Yes. And they don't know what to do to get out of it, how to change it. And they're just as much as in bondage as a person is addicted to the substance. Well, this is her testimony. And uh, so pick that up. These are free. The only thing that there's a charge for. Are, are the little booklets, the ones, two, and I believe the, uh, we've got one devotional left, and it's uh, 15. Is that right, Barbara? 15 bucks. So pick those up. Make yourself available to those. If you're watching online, again, if you would like more information about those resources, just contact us at the church on the uh, email, and we'll get those to you. Amen. Glory be to God. If you've got your Bibles with you today, go to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Hallelujah. I know why I told you that story. It's because the enemy tries to keep people from fulfilling their destiny and call upon the earth through addiction. And through that one little lady's boldness to share the gospel with Matt Gober, he lived a life after that, not right immediately, but after that time, he began serving the Lord and began taking in men that were addicted to substances and had nowhere else to go, nowhere else to live, nowhere, nowhere to turn. He began to, to bring them in even to his own home. And began to teach them who they were in Christ and that God loved them and had a plan for them. And gave them a hope to turn things around. You know, and that's what the gospel is. The gospel is hope. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And we've all been given a mandate to go into all the world. You may say, well, I'm not called to the nations. But you know you're called to your neighbor. Amen. When Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, he didn't pick and choose who he called. Mm -hmm. Did you hear me this morning? He didn't pick who, who he called. He called all of us as believers. We may be called to go to the neighbor. We may be called to talk to our co-worker. Yeah. Most of the time, and first of all, it's to our own family. Amen. Amen. So addiction, what addiction does is it keeps people from fulfilling their divine destiny and calling what God created them to do. That's the reason God hates it. Yeah. That's the reason it, it, it's not just a physical bondage, but it's a spiritual bondage. Mm -hmm. But through Jesus and what he's done on the cross, through his finished work, it's been conquered, glory to God, bondage has been conquered, sin has been conquered through what Jesus has done and through his finished work. Amen. 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 And it's available. Glory to God. The prison door is open. All we have to do is walk out and take our freedom. Amen. Amen. Jesus has finished all that needs to be done. And people need to hear that. They need to know that. Amen. So you got your Bibles open correctly? Yes. I'm going to read that in just a moment. Galatians. Uh, We've went over the uh, resources already. If you've got any more questions about things after the service, anything I can help you concerning this subject, I tell you it's, uh, it's something that's dear to my heart. Call me. Let's set up a time to talk, uh, and I'll, I'll pray. I'll talk. I'll give you resources. Uh, Mike Quarles, a gentleman that's helped me compile all these resources, uh, he puts his phone number on everything that he puts on the Internet. Now, most people don't do that. 
Because when you do, you're going to get phone calls. But see, he has a heart. He was in bondage for over 19 years. Didn't know how to get free. Tried everything that you could do. Went to every uh, uh, detox. He went to every rehab and nothing, nothing helped. Now, this man's a believer. He was a pastor. They just said, you know, one pastor said, well, you just got to pluck out your eye. Cut off your hand. Just do whatever it takes. See, but what that does is that puts all the responsibility back on the person. But the, the, the truth of the matter is that what Jesus has done, he's already made us free. And in Christ Jesus, freedom has already been provided. So it's not about how we can do it and how we got to buckle down and pluck out our eye and cut off our hand or do whatever. It's about us simply believing what Jesus has already done. Right. Believing in his finished work. Amen. Now I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going we're gonna to go through some of this in a minute. But uh, the, the, the basic need, or before I get there, I want to tell you this. The reason that I'm so uh, passionate about this subject, not only is it the gospel, but also because of, of, of my personal experiences of, of things that's happened in my family. Uh, we've had situations in my family concerning alcohol, generations uh, of people in my family, things that I've dealt with at a young age of nine years old. Uh, I was exposed to, to situations and parties where alcohol was there. Uh, and, you know, and I began to experiment with my brother tried to keep me from doing it in the beginning, you know, but after a while he couldn't keep me from it. I would sneak here and I would sneak there and I would I'd drink a little here and drink a little there. Well, by the age of 12, I was basically what you would call an alcoholic because every day I came home from school, if not every day, every other day, I went to a buddy's house and we had stuff stashed in the woods or we had stuff at, at his home and we would go out and drink nearly every other day at the age of 12. So there was a substance that I was using to accommodate things in my life that I didn't like. I was trying to mask some things I didn't like yes. to bring a, 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 a artificial peace or joy. Right. But it's, how many of you know it's not lasting? No, no it's, it's, it's counterfeit. Glory to God. The only thing that will bring peace and joy is Jesus. Right. Amen. So that's the reason this is this dear to my heart. So at the age of 12 one night, it was actually on my 12th birthday, I went over to my buddy's house again, the one that we drank with, and I was there. We were watching movies, and he pulled out this jug, and it was clear. We'd already been drinking. It was clear as water. It's called White Lightning. And man, we got a hold of that stuff and we drank one cup and we drank another cup and another cup and another cup until I didn't know where I was, who I was. I didn't know anything. I went from watching a movie to just not knowing I existed. Well, sometime up in the night, I don't know what time of the night it was. Um, I either managed to try to go home or I think what happened is this friend drug me out of the house because really I found out later he thought I was dead. Because I was unresponsive. He couldn't tell if I was breathing, if I had a pulse or anything. I had scratches all over my body. He got me out of his home. And, and uh, at this point, I, you know, I didn't know anything was going on. So he attempted to, either I tried to leave or he tried to get me out. Well, he shows up at my house across the street and, and he asked my mom, says, is, is Matt, did Matt come home? And, you know, she said he's out there like this, you know, can't walk, stumbling around, you know, and, uh, you know, did he make it home yet? And she said, what are you talking about? I said, well, he, you know, he was going to come home and has he made it home yet? She said, no, he's not here. So she left. Thank God she left. She went across the street, looked all through his house. No, his parents weren't home. They were gone for the weekend. Looked all through his house. Couldn't find me anywhere. She was leaving, walked out the back porch, and she said something told her. But thank God I know what it was. It was the Holy Ghost. It was the Holy Spirit told her to look out in the backyard. Well, she was standing on the back steps, and she shined that light out through the backyard. And when she did, she saw the silhouette of my body laying out in the grass. <clears throat> I'm trying not to, to get emotional about this, but I'm so thankful for the Holy Ghost. Amen. If it hadn't been for the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't be here today. Amen. I wouldn't be standing before you Lord preaching God. the gospel. Amen. And I wouldn't be able to share what I'm sharing. So thank God for the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> if you don't know him, you can't know him today. Yes. If you're watching this program and you don't know him today, before this program's over, you can know him. So she saw my body. They went out and got me. Uh, my grandfather and grandmother happened to be there because it's my birthday. My grandmother was a former nurse, so they carried me over uh, to the carport there, laid me out. My grandmother began to work on me. She said I was blue. Couldn't find my pulse. I wasn't breathing. And uh, she cleared my airways out. I know it's, it's not very fun to talk about, but I had food that was lodged in my throat and my air passages. She cleaned that out. And, uh, but they couldn't find the pulse. She looked at my mom. She thought, you know, it's just too late. I was cold. I was blue. They had already called the ambulance. The ambulance got there, started working on me. Thank God they were able to keep me alive. They took me to the emergency room. Well, I wake up the next morning at 730 in the morning. Now, this was like 11 at night when I started. I woke up the next morning at 730 in the morning 
and I, I, you know, I'm thinking I'm gonna wake up somewhere in the back room or on the couch or something at my buddy's house. Well, I'm, when I wake up, all these lights are in my face, and I'm and I've got I can't get up. I've got my hands tied, my feet are tied down. I can't move, and I'm like, what's going on? I look around, where well, there's all my family, my mom and my dad, my grandparents, my brothers and my sister. They, you know, brother and sister, they're all around me. These people that care about me around my bed. I'm like, around my bed, I'm like, what's happened? And they started to describe what happened, what took place. And I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit that he spoke and directed and gave that I saved my life. But it was, a, it was an addiction that the enemy used to try to take me out. And as all, everybody here in this room have been affected by people that have addictions or substances in their life. Well, even at that time, that extreme thing that happened to me, you know, I still didn't quit. I kept drinking and I kept drinking. I, I stopped for a little while, but I kept drinking. Well, thank God at the age of 15, and you think, well, how can it be? At the age of 15, my sister... <laughs> started going to a church that preached the word of God and who we are in Christ. And she kept calling me and calling me and calling me. Wouldn't leave me alone. And finally, I said, okay, I'm just going to go because you won't leave me alone. I said, you just will not leave me alone. So I'm going to go. And I went and I began to hear about the love of God. They didn't care about what I wore. I didn't own a suit coat. I didn't, I didn't even have a suit coat in my closet. I wore jeans and tennis shoes. And I went and the thing that changed me was the love of Jesus. Amen. The love of Jesus. And I began to learn this book right here of who I was in Christ. And what belonged to me and, and that I could take the word of God and apply it to my life. Amen. Amen. That I didn't have to be broken anymore. I didn't have to be sick anymore. I didn't have to give in and, and live in bondage anymore. I didn't have to live without hope. But there is hope. Amen. Amen. So that's what started my road to victory. Amen. I had the victory, but I began to come into the knowledge of who I am. So that's the reason I'm passionate about this subject. Amen. Amen. A lot of you know that I'm not going to go into the story, but I lost a nephew back in 2014 from an overdose of heroin and some other situations. 21 years old, he lost his life. See, and it's because of addiction. And the enemy does not want people to finish and fulfill their destiny. Amen. So that's the reason that we're going over this subject. Amen. Amen. I didn't mean to be heavy in the beginning, but I want to lay a foundation of, of what is important and why God wants us to cover the subject. Now, you got your Bibles open to Galatians, right? Galatians chapter 2. Let me find my paper here. Galatians 2 and 20. Now, I'm going to read this in the uh, message translation. You know, when you walk into a bedroom <clears throat> and you find your ne nephew on the floor with a lifeless body at the age of 21, it'll do something to you. Amen. Now, I've had to deal with thoughts. There's times I woke up in the middle of the night <clears throat> and I had the images and I've had to deal with those things and the Holy Spirit's helped me. But I made a declaration that <clears throat> that night that anything with the Holy Spirit's power that I could do, I'm not going to do it in my work and my ability, but anything I can do within the Holy Spirit's power and help that I'm going to help people Amen. and I'm going to take them the good news and I'm going to share with them. They don't have to be bound. They're free in Christ Jesus. If they don't know Christ, they can come to know him. It doesn't matter what they did, how they've lived, how they've acted, but they can come to know him. And if they come to know him, freedom is available. Amen. And he's given everyone here the mandate. You may not have been affected to that depth, but everyone here has been affected, either personally or someone in your family. And we've got the answer. So let's be bold enough. Amen. Let's be bold enough to take the answer <clears throat> to people and help them in the time of need. So Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, message translation. It says, what actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules. I tried working my head off to please God and it didn't work. So I quit being a law man so that I could be God's man. You know, we try to keep all these rules and regulations and laws and do things just right. But see, that doesn't work. We don't receive God's goodness and his blessing and his love by what we do. We receive it by what Jesus has done. It's already finished. It's already done. He took the penalty for us. Amen. So he said, I quit being a law man so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and he enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. And that's the key. Amen. For us to live out of the life that's on the inside of us, we must completely identify with who Christ is on the inside of us. Not any weakness that we have. You say, well, I'm not good in that area. Well, is Christ good in that area? You may say, well, I've got a weakness in this particular point. Well, is Christ weak in that area? The good news is, is this, is Christ said that he is strong in your weakness. In fact, Jesus is waiting for you to say, he said, well, this is, that's not word. I can't confess that I'm weak. I can't confess that I can't do it. Why not? You can't do it in your ability. 
You may be weak in your ability, and that's what God's waiting on. He's waiting on us to say that we can't do it in our strength and ability and to call on him and what he's done in his finished work because in him we can do all things. Glory to God. By him and by his might and ability, we can do all things. So he's waiting for us to say that we're weak. <laughs> he's waiting for it. Don't, you know, people say it's come down to praying. You know, it's come down and we got to turn to God. We went every, you know, avenue we could go and it just come down to us. We just got to trust God. Well, don't wait to get to that. Trust him on the front end of it. Amen. Come, come to the end of yourself now. Today, while you're sitting here today, just decide that, that I'm in, in and of myself, I'm nothing. Glory to God. In and of myself, I can't do anything. But in him, because I'm not by myself, I'm in him. I can do all things through Christ. Amen. I can accomplish what he's called me to do. Amen. Amen. So that takes all fear away. Will your mind talk to you? Of course it will. Does your body talk to you? Yes. Do you have feelings? Yes, God gave you feelings. But those feelings aren't to rule and, and, and cause you to obey them. We're to rule our feelings. Amen. We're to rule our flesh and tell our flesh what to do, not our flesh tell us what to do. Because who you are on the inside is a spirit being. Who you are on the inside is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Glory to God. The Bible says that you're one with him. You're united with him. Now, I know these things that, you, that you've heard, but how many, of you, how many of us really believe? I'm telling you, this, not only this curriculum been a blessing for me to help others, but it's helped me. The more you saturate yourself in this, the more you meditate on it, the more you study it and ponder over these scriptures, I'm telling you what, you'll get so excited. I mean, you may, you may have to, I don't know what you have. You may have to sleep outside or something. You may tear your house up. Just you get so excited studying the word of God. You may start tearing the blinds off the wall. Amen. He said, how could you do that? Well, you act crazy when you drink. People act crazy when they smoke. They do all kind of crazy stuff. I mean, chew up stuff. And, you know, lady in Florida chewed somebody's face up one time. She was on something. I mean, act all kind of crazy. way. The devil's crazy. Amen. But in Christ Jesus. Amen. How many of you know we can get excited? How many of you know we have a good time? How many of you know that we have the true life? How many of you know we can have a Holy Ghost party? Amen. And in a Holy Ghost party, you don't wake up with a hangover. You don't do stuff that you wish you hadn't have done. Amen. You don't do stuff that you don't even know you did and then have to suffer the consequences. No, you get blessed. You get full of joy. You get healed. You get direction. You get set free. Amen. So which one's better? Amen. Glory to God. So. He said, Christ's life showed me how to do it. He enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I've been crucified with Christ. See, that's the key. I've been crucified with Christ. That means that the old man that you were was crucified with Christ on the cross, and now he's dead. So the old man that was before Christ is no longer even existent. That's the reason when he tries to talk or he tries to get you to do something, you said, no, that's not who I am. He's been destroyed. He doesn't even exist anymore. Amen. Glory to God. So he said, my ego is no longer central. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. I'm no longer driven to impress God, but Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it's lived by faith in the son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. He said, I'm not going back on that. (laughs) It's not clear to you that to go back to that old rule keeping, peer pleasing religion would be an abandonment, abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God. Refuse to do that. Repudiate God's grace. If a living relationship with God could come by rule keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. Amen. How many of you know it's not religion, it's relationship? How many of you this morning did you say, good morning, father, good morning, daddy, whatever you call your dad? Tell him good morning. It's a relationship. We talk just like we're talking now. You don't have to use, you know, religious words like a, was it Rodney Howard Brown said the man was so religious, his face was so stretched out and drawn. He was talking, he had a head as long as a Shetland pony, <laughs> stretched out, you know, just so long faced and sad looking. You hear these Bible studies sometime on the radio and, they, and you think, man, if, you know, are they going to fall over when the show ends? You know, they're going to need to back the hearse up and catch them when they fall out, you know, walking out the door. Because it just seems so dry and so religious. There's life in God. Amen. There's life in God. He came to give us life and life more abundantly. Filled to the full. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Now let's read uh, Romans 6 real quick. Romans 6, verse 6. It said, could it be any clearer? This is in the message. Our old way of life was nailed to the cross. Did you hear that? The old way of life, when you come into Christ, how you missed it, the way you live, the things that you do, 
the sin that you were in, the thing, the way that you missed it, those old ways, those old habits, those old thinking patterns and thoughts, those old things were nailed to the cross with Christ. It's a decisive end to that sin, miserable life. No longer it sends every beck and call do I live. What we believe is this, if we were included in Christ's sin conquering death, we also get included in his life resurrection. Glory to God. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again would death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. But alive, he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language. <laughs> that means nothing to you. So when failure tries to come, temptation tries to come, sin or the way the things that maybe that you used to do or whatever, when it comes trying to talk to you, failure, defeat, it speaks a language that's dead to you. You don't even understand it. You can't even hear it in your inner man. Now, do you have thoughts about it? Does your feelings try to talk? Amen. But we don't allow those thoughts and those feelings to dominate us. We live by the inward man of who we are in Christ. Amen. So sin speaks a dead language. It means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue <laughs> and you hang on every word. You're dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. Amen. If you're making notes, jot this down. It's Hebrews 10 verses 12 through 18. It talks about uh, what Christ has done. <clears throat> Don't, don't turn there on the, on the screen if you're putting it on the board. Uh, we don't have time to do that unless you've already got it up there. But Hebrews, don't turn, turn there. Hebrews 10, 12 through 18, it says, As a priest, Christ made a single sacrifice for sin, and that was it. I know you've heard, heard this truth, but sin made a single sacrifice for sin, or, or Christ made a single sacrifice for sin, and that's it. It's over with. He dealt with it. Amen. Then he sat down at the right hand of God because he waited for his enemies to cave in. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. Amen. By that single offering, he did everything needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process. The Holy Spirit confirms this. Amen. So how many of you know it's finished? Amen. Glory to God. We're not trying to get somewhere, but we're already in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, uh, as we get into our, uh, I want to lay a foundation about the study. We're going to cover some of these points real quickly. <clears throat> so I want you to pay close attention. But the first class that we had was uh, uh, on the belief of the lie that the church believes about addiction. The church truly believes a lie when it comes to addiction. <clears throat> and this, the basic, now this is not the lie, but I want, to, I want to cover this. The basic need of all mankind is a need for love and acceptance. How many of you want to be loved and accepted? Amen. Everybody. We've all, uh, we have a need for love and acceptance and approval and self-worth and belonging and purpose and identity. I know I mentioned this to, before to Michelle about identity. You know, when we uh, go down uh, downtown and, and minister to the homeless, and I know they've recently gone. I've been with you one time that people live under the bridges and in tents. You know, they have an identity. They try to identify. They try to fit in, and they have an order of the way that they do things. Because they, they, they desire to fit in. Is that right? We all want to fit in. We all want to be loved. Yeah. Amen. Amen. They have a, an identity crisis. Like I mentioned before, you know, some people today, they don't know if they're man, woman, or, or what they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even uh, society in general, you know, they're struggling with, with purpose. Why am I even here? I saw an interview with a guy not too long ago. We went to the streets of New York, and he said, you know, can you tell me your purpose? Why do you exist? And they, you know, people just saying all kind of crazy stuff. You know, they didn't know people just don't really know. Well, why do we exist? See, in Christ Jesus, we have a purpose. We have a reason for living. We have been accepted. We have been loved. We do have self-worth. We do belong to the family of God. Amen. Second Corinthians 5, we know this verse 17. It says, if any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything's become new. Colossians 2.10 says you're complete in Christ. Complete, that means that nothing's missing. Do you need everything you already have and possess as a believer, everything you need to be a success in this earth? Nothing needs to be added to it. And that's carrying us over into the lie that the church believes about addiction. You already have everything that you need as a believer in Christ Jesus. Uh, 2 Peter 1.3 says he's given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. But any way that we meet a need apart from God and his finished work of Christ is the flesh. And that's where addiction comes in. How people get, you know, from a place of, uh, 
you know, kind of uh, situations and problems in their life? Well, how do they get, you know, kind of move over from just dealing with a situation and they get over to addiction? How do they try the first drink? How do they uh, do the drugs for the first time? How do they get into that lifestyle, over into that group to where they think that this is the way they need to go? Well, they're dealing with problems and situations and they don't know what to do about it. So they find themselves shifting over into that because they're trying to meet a need in another way apart from God. Amen. God is has already met every need through Christ. And any way that we try to meet a need apart from him is the flesh. Christ is our peace. He is our joy. Amen. Amen. He is our healing. Any way that we try to meet those needs apart from him is to try to do it in our ability. And it's the flesh and it gets you over into addiction every time. That's the root of all addiction. It's trying to, to meet a need or fulfill a need apart from what Jesus has already done. Neil Anderson, Dr. Neil Anderson made this quote. He said, only 5% of Christians are truly free. Now think about that just a minute. 5% of the body of Christ is truly free. Now that doesn't mean that all are struggling with alcohol or drugs or pornography or some type of bondage, but it means they're codependent. They live in fear. They have depression. They're workaholic. They're, they're, they have materialism problems or they, they live in unforgiveness. There's some type of bondage that people live in. There's only 5% of the body of Christ that's free. And what is he talking about? He said there's only 5% of the body of Christ that truly lives out of who they are in Christ Jesus on the inside of them. Amen. They allow these other things to control them. And that's like I said in the beginning, you may not be here dealing with alcohol. You may not be struggling with some type of drug, but are you dealing with some type of unforgiveness? Do you have a fear that you're dealing with? Do you have a physical situation that you're having trouble with? Or not, do you know somebody? See, we're here because we're called to go. Amen. It's not all about us, but it's about what Jesus has done and for us to take this to someone else. So in order for a person to get free, they have to change what they believe. Because addiction only believe, only is present or it only exists because of deception. You know, when any of us in this room sin, it's only we only sin because of deception. We heard a lie from the enemy and then we began to believe the, uh, the lie and then we acted on the lie and then we got over into sin because we heard the lie. And how does the devil operate? The only tool he has to operate through is deception. Yeah. So we just call him on the carpet and say, no, I see what you're trying to do. That's deception. I'm not going to give in to the deception. I believe the truth of God's word and who I am. And that's what I, I choose to believe. Amen. So we have to choose in order for a person to get free. They have to change. The way that they believe because addiction only exists because of deception. The person has been deceived into believing a lie that Jesus isn't enough. That's what they've been deceived into believing, that Jesus is not the answer to their problem. Jesus is not enough. I need something other than Jesus to make me happy. I need something other than Jesus to get me free from this addiction. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. It's finished. Jesus is enough. The lie the church believed about addiction is a lie, the, uh, and also the lie that the person believes is this. Well, let's go uh, to the first slide that you got there. The only way anyone finds freedom in Christ, he didn't come to show us a better way, he is the way. He didn't come to give us the truth so we could follow steps or any program, he is the truth. He didn't come to give us a better life. He is the life. He came to give us life, his life, which is divine, eternal, abundant, victorious, and free. Amen. He didn't come to give us the truth so we could follow a program or get our act together. And that's what people, if you're dealing with someone in your family, you're trying to help a loved one or whatever. Maybe they've been through a program or maybe you're watching and you've been through a program with steps. The thing we have to realize this is not a set of steps that's going to cause us to be free. You can't do 10 steps and all of a sudden you have freedom. You have to change the way that you believe. You have to believe that you're already free. Amen. You've been set free in Christ and what he's done. And once you believe you're free, then that freedom that you believe will begin to change your actions. Amen. But the church has believed this lie. They believe the lie that it takes more than Jesus. Even Mike himself that wrote the book, he was, a, a, he was in a church and he confessed his problem. People came to talk to him about it. They kicked him out of the church. And a lot of people even in the church said, you're not even a believer. You're not even saved anymore. And it really hurt him, but he knew he was saved. He prayed, talked to God every day to get free. Amen. But he didn't know the truth of who he was. And the moment that he heard the truth that he's already been made free in Christ, it's no longer him that lives, but it's Christ that lives in him. Amen. He began to live that, then he got free. Amen. Amen. So the church has believed a lie. But there is no lie 
in the fact that Christ has made us free. The only, the only true life of real freedom is lasting peace and joy comes no other way but in Christ. Christ is our life. You are in Christ and he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. The key to freedom is not surrender, praying, studying your Bible, memorizing scripture or fasting, but simply believing the truth. Amen. Amen. Did y'all hear that today? The key to freedom is not, you know, just buckling down hard and surrendering or praying or studying or memorizing so many scriptures or memorizing scripture or fasting, but simply believing the truth of who you are and what he's done. Truth sets people free and lies keep people in bondage. You know, you may be here today and say, well, I don't need that. But I, I guarantee you, every person here has got some type of bondage, some type of lie that you believed about yourself. Some type of lie. It may be about the way that you look. It may be about uh, something, you know, deep down in your heart that God spoke to you about doing some call that you know that's there. Something he spoke to you about, about going and doing for him. But you said, how can I ever do that? I don't have what it takes. You know, I don't have the resources. I don't have the ability. I can't speak. I can't talk. I can't stand in front of people. Well, that's a lie from the pit of hell. If he called you to do it, he lives on the inside of it. He's given you the ability. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. <laughs> so don't just discount this as somebody that's, you know, I believe a lot of, a lot of times when, when you go over things like this, people just kind of discount and put it to the side and say, well, that's just for, you know, someone that's in the rehab today or that's just for someone that's in the jail cell today. No, it's for every believer. This is the way that we live in victory every day is out of the abundance of who we are on the inside of us. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So if you don't like that, I don't know what to, I can't, I can't help you, <laughs> but it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. So uh, truth sets us free and lies keep us in bondage. There's nothing to do to be free because we already are free. Amen. Hallelujah. The next slide says, what is the lie that the church believes about addiction? The lie the church believes is that addiction is so difficult to get free from that we need more than what Christ has provided uh, or what God has provided in Christ. And it's up to us to do what we need to do. The preacher there, he said, points his finger at him and said, it's up to you to, to fight your addiction. You must pray, study, read your Bible, go to church, go to a 12 step meeting, get a sponsor and work the program. Just do it. You know, just do what it takes. And he's pointing a little bony, bony finger out. But see, not all, not all the church, but most Think uh, they think you need Christ, but you also need to do something else to get free. They'll say, yes, it, it, you know, Christ is the answer, but you need to go do this, this, this and this. Well, steps aren't bad, but the steps are not what make you free. Anything that we do as a believer, we need to do it in faith. If you work a 12 step program, do those steps in faith. If you started the exercise program this year and you said, man, I need to shed some pounds or I need to get my health better. I need to do whatever. You start a diet program and all these people have these. You know, where they're doing these uh, uh, at the first of the year, everybody wants to make their New Year's re resolutions. Yep. Well, see, when you do anything like that and you start out in your ability, guess what? It lasts about how many days? Two, maybe three, whatever. It doesn't last very long because we did it in our strength. But whatever we do, step out to do it in his strength and his ability by faith and, and yield to his grace. His ability. See, grace is an empowerment from Christ to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Amen. So when you start to do something like that, don't do it in your ability. And when you mess up, guess what? Big deal. Say you're sorry and just get, keep right on going. If you're on the eating program and you said, man, you know, I'm going to eat this way and I'm going to do this because I've got to get my health better. I've got to lose some weight. I've got to do this. And you go out one day and you eat two Big Macs. Well, big deal. Next day, you just start right back right. in his ability. Amen. You messed up. You made a mistake. Maybe you ate a whole large piece. Maybe you went through Little Caesars. And man, before you got home, the box was empty. I don't know <laughs> whatever happened, but maybe you messed up, made a mistake. Big deal. If someone's going through a program and, and, and they're uh, seeking help to get free from addiction and they mess up and make a mistake. Guess what? God's right there with them. Yeah. Do they go back to ground one? God doesn't love them anymore. They fallen from grace. God turned their back on him. No. And if anybody's here today watching and you're dealing with that, and you've made a mistake and you've fallen and you've made a mistake and, and, and now you feel like it's over and you've got to start completely over. I want to tell you this, that God loves you. He's here for you. And all you have to do is repent, say, God, I'm sorry. I missed it. He already knows that you missed it. And then go and yield to him, yield to his grace and his power, his ability. And know that you've already been made free. Amen. Sin has been dealt with. Glory to God is not an issue any longer. As a believer in Christ, all you have to do is receive your forgiveness and believe that you've been made free. Amen. And walk free from the situation. Glory to God. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Let's go to number eight, Elliot. Uh, the lie that the church believes addiction is so difficult to get free from. The finished work of Christ is not enough. We need to do something. We need Christ plus what we can do. In the final analysis, it's up to us. That's a bad plan. This is, the most, this is most of the church's view of discipleship, but it's not up to us to do something, but it's up to us to do what? To believe the truth of what Christ has done and who we are in Christ. That's what we're to do. Unfortunately, most well-meaning pastors, Christian counselors, and those in recovery ministries all tell us what we need to do. And they tell the person that's in that ministry, they, need, they tell them what they need to do. You need to do this. You need to work on this. You got to get this in line and quit doing this and quit doing that and all these things to do. And what they have to start out, the root of the problem is their belief about who they are. Amen. Yes. Jesus has done it. It's finished. It's like telling us that sanctification comes by obeying the law, but it's only by faith in the truth of who we are and what Christ has made us. The law is a ministry of death and condemnation, according to Corinthians 3, 7 through 9. And the more we try to obey the law, the further the law takes us into bondage. Sanctification, freedom, peace, and joy only come by faith. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that we stay free and don't get tied again in slavery to the, to the law. That's Galatians 5.1. All of the good things you try to do put you under the law and the power of sin. If you live under the law, you're in bondage. The lies that the, the, the person believes about addiction. He's looking in the mirror there. Got that evil, evil person there in the mirror. This is the lies that the person believes about themselves. He said, I need to become something that I'm not, which is righteous. Because I have a deceitful and wicked heart. I need to get something that I don't have, which is freedom. I need to die to sin and get freed from it. See, he's not looking into the mirror and seeing the reflection of Christ. You know, James tells us to look into the perfect law of liberty and don't be forgetful about what we see and what we hear, but be a doer of the word. It says, look into the perfect law of liberty, which is, is the word of God. And, and through the word of God, you see a reflection of who you really are. Amen. Amen. Let that be the image that you see. What did God say about you? Who did God say that you are? Jesus said, you've been made free. Glory to God. That the old man is gone, a new man's been made. The old man's been completely destroyed, doesn't exist anymore. So when we stand in the mirror in the morning, we have deception and we have thoughts, then just look in the mirror and begin to prophesy to the mirror and tell the mirror who you are. Amen. Amen. If you get an image of yourself that's not an image like God created you to be, then, then, then just begin to tell it who, who you really are. Talk to it. Amen. Amen. Declare who you are in Christ. Amen. So what do you see in the mirror when you look? Do you believe, what do you believe about yourself? Do you believe that you're an addict, an alcoholic, or a codependent? Do you believe that you're righteous, holy, and blameless? See, that's the key to it. In the middle of the, the times when people are struggling with alcohol and drugs and substance, then they need to know if they're a believer that even though they're dealing with situations that they're righteous and they're holy. Amen. Now, that doesn't make sense to the mind. But the righteousness and the holiness is where? It's in their spirit, man. Yeah. And that's where the, the real person lives is in their spirit. <clears throat> Glory to God. So do you believe that you're righteous, holy, and blameless? Do you believe you're dead to sin and freed from sin? Because if you're in Christ, he is your life. Amen. Do you believe that you no longer live, but Christ lives in you? So that's the decision Paul had to make in Galatians 2.20. Every day he, said, he had got up and he said, I decide this. It is no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives on the inside of me. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. So your feelings and your experiences will never measure up to the truth. See, th these are truths that we need to understand. We need to understand that feelings will never line up to what the truth says. Our feelings will never agree with the, with the word of God. We'll always have thoughts in our mind. It'll never get to the place to where every thought that we have is always lined up with scripture. We'll never get to the place where every feeling that we have is just always right in line with the scripture. Never. Because we have a flesh. Amen. Amen. And the flesh talks. We have feelings. And our feelings want to talk. Our feelings get hurt. and We want to say certain things to certain people. Yes. Amen. Amen. We have patterns. I'm getting ahead of myself, but we have flesh patterns of the way that we deal with things. If we get mad and upset, there's always a lot of times things that we do when we get mad and upset. And people that are dealing with addictions, they've taken these, these substances or whatever it may be that they're addicted to, and they use those things to meet a need uh, uh, apart from God. To, 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 when they get upset or get into situations or they have these feelings, they go and they use these things to try to cover or mask those feelings or those situations. And what's happened is when they come to Christ and get born again and everybody in this room has these certain things, we have flesh patterns that we developed as an unbeliever. And if we're not careful, 
then what happens is when the same pressure comes or the same situations comes, those flesh patterns that we have traces of in our memory try to repeat themselves. And you'll find your body try to want to go back that way or your mind to want to go to those places and try to think that way. But that's where you, who you are on the inside, the spirit being has to rise up and take authority and say, no, we're not going to go there. No, that's not who I am, who I am. And just like this guy was looking in the mirror, I've done it myself. And you may say, well, that's crazy. Well, do it. Talk to yourself in the mirror. Declare who you are. Amen. Do you know anybody else that's doing it? Who cares about you more than, than anybody other than God? You. Now, I'm not saying that to be selfish, but I'm saying it for you to receive what Christ has done for you. He loved you so much that he gave Jesus to accomplish it. Now, believe it and receive it and declare it to be so. Amen. Because he's paid the ultimate price for it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, the question that leads to the ultimate answer. Romans 7, 24, it says, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? The answer is, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's helping the lady up here. He says, but wait a minute. I've been raised from the dead, but I feel like I'm still in bondage. What's the problem? Now, see, this is what I like to call where the rubber meets the road right here. You know, someone could come in today and they can have a spiritual experience or they come to church and they get born again. They come down to the altar. They give their life to God, you know, and they're looking for some type of, uh, you know, magical experience that just everything goes away and everything's rosy and just everything's great. Now I'm coming to Christ and just everything's great. But that's not the way that it works. Now, on the inside, you're made complete, completely new, brand new. But Brother Hagin used to say it this way. He said, if you had a, you know, if you had red hair and freckles before you got born again, then after you get born again, you're still going to have red hair and freckles. Amen. If you had a pug nose before you got saved, you're still going to have a pug nose. Amen. You see what I'm saying? The thing of it is, is we still have traces of things of the way we were before we got born again, but those things can't dominate us. We have to identify with the new man. So what happens is people that are dealing with substances and situations in life, they come in, they have an experience, they get born again, but then they go out and those temptations come back. Yes. Amen. They used to having a Miller Lite on the weekends or they used to drinking uh, something. They used to rolling one up or they used to shooting up and those things come to them and those temptations come and the flesh it's got to have it, man. The flesh is calling. The flesh is screaming. See, and that's where the identity process comes in. What do they identify with? Amen. So what happens is, though, if they fall and then they miss it, just like uh, you've heard Pastor tell the story about the gentleman that he, he got saved in the church that Pastor grew up in. He came in and uh, from another town. Uh, I think there was a, if I'm, am I telling the story right, Barbara, about the, did they have an accident in the family? About the young man that was an alcoholic and he came to town. I think they had an accident in the family and he was in town because of the accident. And then while he was there at church, he, he was an alcoholic, but he, he gave his heart to, to the Lord in the service, got saved. But he was an alcoholic. Well, he travels back to whatever city was up North Alabama somewhere. He was on disability and he, all he did was sit in his apartment every day and drink all day, every day. Drink, drink. That's all he did every day. He was just wasting away. Looked terrible. But he got saved. When he goes back to his apartment, he did, he did real good for two or three days. But about the third day, those thoughts and those feelings began to come back and they started to weigh on him and he was there by himself and all that stuff, that pressure began to come. And see, what happened was, is he yielded to the deception, to the lie and he gave into it and he drank again. Well, well, he was all, what, what do you think happened to him? Well, he gave in to the deception and then condemnation came. He began to think, well, who am I? What kind of person am I? I don't guess I'm born again. I, you know, all that mess that I did, all that, you know, just feelings. I didn't really get saved. I didn't get born again, you know. Well, what happened is he called his pastor. Well, it wasn't his pastor, but he called the pastor of the church where he got saved at. And began to tell him what he did. And he said, well, son, you, you, he said, you must not have got saved. He said, somebody that really got saved wouldn't do those things. You need to, in other words, he told him, you need to get another dip. You know, the first dip didn't take, you need another one. And he began to tell him those things. Well, the guy got so condemned and just so down on himself that he just gave up. He said, I guess I, I'll just never be able to make it. I thought I did, you know, I thought I was turning my life around, but I guess I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. I'm just a sinner and I can't do right. I never will do right. And he got so depressed that he took a, a steak knife and lunged it into his heart. Killed himself, wrote a letter and told everybody why he said, I just, I can't do it. Thought I'd done, but I'm not good enough. How could even God love me? And he ended it all because of a deception, a lie from the enemy. And see, that's a, that's a terrible waste. It's a tragedy. And that's the reason we have to tell people, glory to God, <laughs> it's not you. Amen. Amen. Ellie, if you've got uh, 
On your, if you can skip ahead to uh, number five. Skip ahead to number five. We just got a few more minutes here. We'll be done. If you give me about 10 more minutes. Is everybody doing okay? You know, I, I realize these things are, you know, you may not be running the tops of the chairs and jumping the aisles and shouting and some of you may even be bored with it. And if you are, I, I, no, I don't apologize, but you know, I'm sorry if you are, but you know, the thing of it is, is this, is people need this. They really do. And just because it's not affecting you today or situation, I mean, I'm telling you, there's people that are in bondage right outside these doors. I have to be careful about what I say. I'm on the air. But I know someone that's really close to this building. I'll put it that way, that for years has struggled with the very thing that I'm talking about today. And we have the answer. So we need to know these things. Even if you're not dealing with, we need to have these things on inside of us so we'll have the tools and we'll be knowledgeable of how to help somebody. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So it's not all about us. It's not always about hearing things that tickle our ears or to make us excited. It's about hearing things that the Holy Spirit wants to get on inside of us to give us the tools and the ability to affect the world around us. Amen. So I'm going to skip ahead. Uh, we got just a few more minutes. I'm going to skip ahead to part number five here. And I'm going to deal with that a little bit. Part number five here, it says, if I'm so good, why do I act like the devil at times? <laughs> now, this, they, we, we skipped a whole lot. You're going to have to get the book. We don't have time to cover it in one service. If you've got answer, uh, questions, like I said, I'm here and willing and, and ready and able to help. I want to help. So let's talk. Let's, let's help people. That's part of our mission this year. Some things that we're going to do and put in place in action about helping people that are dealing with addictions. So if I'm so good, why do I act like the devil at times? Behavior can't be changed unless you're changed, unless the person's changed. You're changed. You're a new creation in Christ. But most believe that they're still the same sinner, the same alcoholic or addict or codependent, etc. They don't believe that they're dead to sin and freed from sin. So they spend their lives doing what? Trying to do right and stop sinning. And they fail miserably and they live their lives out of quiet desperation and they settle for the settled life. They just settle and they live in bondage. Well, I guess I can never do that. I never meant to be that. And they just kind of settle for things in life. And that's where the devil wants them. Why? Because they're not going to be effective. They're not going to get to experience what Jesus provided for them. And not only that, for themselves, but they're not going to help anybody else. And that's right where the enemy wants them. Now, will they go to heaven if they're born again? Yes, they'll go to heaven. Are they born again? Yes, 100% born again. Sin's been dealt with, and if they've received Jesus as a Lord and Savior, they're saved, they're going to heaven, but they're not going to be productive. They're not going to experience the, uh, like what Jesus told us in John. He said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, life that you would live it to the full. Amen. The God kind of life. They're not going to experience that type of life. So what happens is they fail miserably. They settle for, for, for the settled life, and they live in bondage. As they focus on trying to change behavior instead of believing the truth about who they are in Christ. Amen. So if you're dealing with somebody like this in the last few minutes, I want you to do this. Don't focus on their behavior. Don't try to get them to act better. Don't even say anything about what they're doing or whatever. Now, I'm not talking about, uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have time to get into it. Read chapter 8. <laughs> we don't have time to get into it. But read what chapter 8 deals with. We're going to come right back to part 5 here in the last few minutes we have. Uh, but chapter 8, I don't know how hard would it be for you to slip, slip over to 8. Because this is what I, it goes right in with, with part 5 that we're talking about. Chapter 8 and slide number 6 says how to help people. How to help people. Because that's what this is about, right? That's what we want to do. We want to not only be helped ourselves, but we want to help someone else. So if someone's dealing with these things, don't try to work on their behavior. What you need to do is you need to love them. You need to give them materials that they need. Get it into their hands. Call them. Encourage them. Tell them who they are in Christ. Tell them that they're more than a conqueror. Amen. Amen. Now, so at, number one, accept them just the way they are. People don't care about what you know until they know that you care about them. Right. You know, we could go downtown to the streets and under the bridges. And we could, man, we could blast those people. Well, you know, good, you know, this and that. You, if, if, you know. It's your own fault that you're here. Now, what good would that do? How many of you know most people know that it's own fault that where they are in life? Yeah. Most people know that. Right. If most people wound up on the streets, then they know it's, sometimes it's their own doing, sometimes it's situations that they couldn't control. It was somebody else's decision. 
that they were a part of that made them get in the place that they are now they're on the streets or they're without a home. But people know that there's a reason for it. They don't need us to go and tell them and point a finger out and tell them that they're ones doing wrong. So accept them just the way they are. People don't care about what you know until they know that you care. Number two, have a ministry of grace. Don't try to make people do right. Tell them what God has done for them. Number three, tell them who they are in Christ. Identity is always an issue. We talked about that in the beginning. It's always about who they are and where do they belong. They want to fit in. They want to feel important. They want to have a purpose. Tell them who they are in Christ. Their identity is always an issue. We always act consistently with how we perceive ourselves. Amen. Amen. We'll always act consistently with the belief, the foundation of the belief of who we are on the inside, the real man. See, we're made of a spirit, a soul, and a body. Amen. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, will, and your emotions, and you have a body. That's what you live in. That's the house that you live in on this earth. But the real you is a spirit. Amen. And we need to tell people that. Where do they miss it at? We don't have time to get into it. They miss it in their flesh. When they fall, if they're born again, and they fall and they miss it and they use again or they drink again, where are they missing it at? They're missing it in their flesh. Is that the real them? No, it's not the real them. The real them is the spirit where they're born again, where the life of God lives. So the quicker they come over to the place of knowing that and understanding it and having a foundation of really who they are and what they have on the inside of them, what will happen is they'll rise up on the inside, and when those desires from the flesh come, they'll override them. Amen. They'll be able to stand up and use their authority and say, no, I'm not going to do that. No, that's not who I am. And why? Because it's his. See, it's all about grace. There again, you have to be careful. It's not coming back over to what you can do and what you have to do and all that. It's about yielding yourselves to the grace of God and to his finished work. Do it in his strength. It's his power. It's his ability. Amen. When you want to eat three cheeseburgers and you know you shouldn't, then what do you do? You yield to his, his power, his ability. If somebody wants to drink a, a six pack of Miller Lite, what do they do when the feeling comes? Then they yield to his power, his ability. Amen. Not try to work up some strength, you know, man, you know, I can do this. But see, as Americans, that's the way we've been taught. Man, we can do this. We can do that. And read this book. Read this self-help book. And it just, it's just all about you and the inner this and the inner that and all these new age principles. No, it's all about Christ. And if it's not about Christ, then it's going to fail miserably every time because in someone's own ability, they'll never make it. Amen. They'll never be a success. They'll never get it right in their strength. But glory to God, in Christ, we've already been made perfect. Do you hear that? you see the difference? In Christ, even when we miss it, we're perfect. Even when we make a mistake in Christ, we've already been made perfect by the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. So if people don't want you to, uh, if people don't know you accept them, it doesn't matter what you say or what you do. We need to know the truth, not what to do. We need to know the truth of the situation, not what to do or what, what they can do. We can't do right until we know who we are and what we've been made in Christ. If we want to give them real positive biblical hope and to see their behavior change, tell them who they are. See, if we'll keep taking time to invest in them about who they are, keep taking time to invest in them about their new creation in Christ and what happens, those investments will begin to pay off. After a while, we'll begin to see their behavior change. And again, if you're struggling, if you're watching this on, on the Internet online and you're struggling with these situations, take time. These truths that we're talking about, these materials that we've shared, take time to invest those things on inside of you. Build yourself up on the inside. Don't listen to the thoughts of inferiority of, of the places and the times that you've missed it. But build yourself up. Know that Jesus loves you. Know that he has a plan for your life. Know that he's called you to be more than what you're experiencing this day. Amen. Satan's only weapon against us is to lie. The only weapon he has against an addict is to lie to them and tell them that they'll never be good enough. A person who knows who they are Listen to this. We're closing with this. A person who knows who they are can quit struggling and striving and they can live in freedom. They can live in victory in Christ. The victory that he's provided. Their behavior won't be perfect. But Mike says this about himself. He said, for 29 years, I've been completely free from addiction because he's learned who he is in Christ Jesus. And that was the single greatest truth that he ever learned. Now, like I said, we're finished there. I don't have time to go into it. Chapter eight of the book talks about uh, what to do and what not to do, uh, about enabling people. Uh, and that's one of the biggest problems that we have is we care about people and we enable them. Amen. We care about people. But most of the time, the people that care about the addict the most is the one that enables them to do the most. We keep providing for them. We keep giving them a place to live. We keep giving them gas money and money to eat and 
parents keep washing clothes and doing things and giving them their car and letting them use this and that. But what I want to tell you is this. Where does change come? Change comes when there's nowhere else to turn but to God. You know, people ask themselves, when will this, when will this addiction or maybe you've asked yourself, maybe you've dealt with a child or a loved one and you've asked yourself before or a spouse. You've asked yourself before, when will this ever stop? When will it ever end? I've lived through it enough. My family's been through enough hell. When will it ever stop? Well, it'll stop when this, when the person gets to the place when there's nowhere else to go. Nowhere else, no other help to go, no other options but God. Amen. And they come to the end of themselves and empty them. And that's what God's waiting on. Amen. Amen. And it doesn't have to take 5, 10, 15 years for them to get there. All they have to do is know that Jesus loves them. Amen. Amen. That he's already provided freedom through Christ. And once they receive him as their Lord and Savior, then they're free. And all they have to do is believe it. And when they begin to believe that, see, then the actions will change. Amen. The actions will begin to change. So what we have to do is we, we have to be bold enough and love a person enough to stop enabling the person to keep continuing the things that they're doing. If you have a loved one that calls you from jail and they want you to get them out and you know the reason that they're in there, you got a choice to make. I've had to make the choice. And it's not an easy choice on the flesh. But see, the thing of it is, is we stand so many times, it's, it's, it's the very people that love and care for those people. It's your loved ones. You care about them. You don't want them to be in jail. You don't want them to suffer. You don't want them to do without but the thing of it is, is we're standing in between them. If, if, say for, if, for instance, if Bill was dealing with a situation and God was trying to get to him, and all of a sudden I come and said, no, what do you need, Bill? You need some more gas money? Okay, Bill, here's your, here's your $20 for gas. Bill, you need somewhere to stay, buddy? You can come stay with me tonight. There's no problem. Yeah, I, I, I know you're dealing with this and that, but that's no, come on, stay with me. Bill said, well, I, I lost my job because I'm still this or I'm doing that. Do you have some? Yeah, come on, we'll we find something for you to do. And what happens is people that care about them, they keep enabling. They keep giving, they keep helping, keep enabling. And see, we think that sometimes is the love of Christ, but it's not. That's not the love of Christ. You say, how can that be? Well, there's places in scripture where it talks about they, they tried to deal with a situation. They, they, they went to them personally. Then they went to them with two people. Then they went to them before the church and they still didn't want to change. Then they said, well, we, you can't come to, can't be a part of the church any longer because they resist, they refused to change it. Then Paul even said, I, I even turn them over to the destruction of the flesh so that their soul will be saved, their spirit will be saved because they refuse to change. What love will do is love will get out of the way. Amen. Love will get out of the way so God can have a clear shot. Now, God doesn't, now I'm not talking about sickness or disease. I'm not talking about God beating somebody down, you know, till they just have to beg and crawl back to it. And I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is taking their options away. Amen. You know, when somebody doesn't have any money and they don't have a place to sleep and it's cold outside or they're in jail and, and, and they don't have anybody to get them out, sometimes it has a way about causing them to, to start to think about things. Amen. When you have someone's teenage daughter that's there and they're telling the mother, mother, this is, I've been through this and I've been through that and I've slept and stayed awake at night crying in my bed because I didn't know where you were at. And you come home, you know, stoned and you've done this and done that and this is the way that's made me feel. Then all of a sudden it has a way of making that person think about it. But they still have a choice to make. And they may change for a day or two or may even change for a week. But if they continue to do those habits and continue to, to give into that substance to meet a need that only Jesus can meet, then as a believer and as a loved one, the best thing we can do to love them is get out of the way and quit enabling them. Get out of the way. Yes. And it'll be tough sometimes on the flesh, but you've got a choice to make. Yes. But that's the only way for that person to come to Christ. They have to get completely down to the, to the bottom to where they, they come to the end of themselves of trying to work it out. Amen. Amen. There's no other option but to come to God. And when they do that, freedom is right there waiting on them. Amen. 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 Glory to God. So I don't have time to cover it. Go to chapter eight, read your book. It talks about uh, what to do, what not to do as far as enabling. And then it even goes into what to do for a uh, intervention. How to intervene if somebody just refuses to change. How to intervene and what to do about it. But if you're going to have an intervention, you better have an ultimatum in place. Don't even think about an intervention if you don't have an ultimatum. And the ultimatum needs to be this. If they're living with you and you, have a, uh, you decide to have an intervention, you need to tell them. If this continues to happen and you set a date on it, then you do not have a place. to. You, you're not welcome here any longer. I love you, but if this continues, it's destructive and it's, and, and it's, it's, it's uh, bringing death and, and pain to not only your life but to this family. But see, people allow it to continue to happen. It destroys entire families for years. I know people that have let it go on for 15, 20 years and it's destroyed the entire family. Kids and everybody, they live through pure hell and come up in all that mess. And that's all they know because it's allowed to continue to happen. And it's going to be some tough choices, but Christ will enable you to do it. Amen. Amen. 
So there's got to be an ultimatum to where the place, if they continue to act that way, say, you don't, you're not welcome to live here anymore. I love you. I'm praying for you, but you can't live here anymore. Or if it's a job situation, you can't work here anymore. <clears throat> or if you're giving them washing their clothes and doing things for them, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not providing for you. I'm not providing you meals, washing your clothes, doing anything. I'm not doing that anymore. Amen. Amen. It, seems, it seems tough, but there's only way. They have to come to the end of themselves. And when they get to that place, God is right there, willing and able and ready. He's already provided the freedom. And when they get to that place to turn, then that's where, but, but all along the way, what do you do? All along the way, you pray for them. All along the way, you love them in Christ. All along the way, you tell them who they are in Christ, that they're a new, creature, a new, cre new creation in Christ. You tell them that Christ lives in them. If they're born again, you tell them that Christ lives in them. They can do all things through Christ, that they have been called with a holy calling. See, you feed them the whole time of who they are in Christ and build them up the whole time. But in the meantime, you've got to do your part to get out of the way and let, do, let God do what only God can do. Don't stand in the way. Amen.